What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Sideline Stories. Today, I'm here with Sammy Spina, an NFL agent and published author. How are you doing today, Sammy? I'm very blessed, man. How are you doing? I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I'm doing well. I appreciate you asking. Can you just start with a quick intro, let people know who you are? Yeah, so uh, my name's Sammy Spina. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm now a partner here at VMG Sports Representation, where we represent uh, approximately 20 NFL athletes across the entire league. And we have uh, even more now in the NIL landscape, but the way this has changed across college football. So it's a blessing to to be in an exciting industry for sure. And um, I think we haven't seen anywhere near what the future of this industry is going to be here probably in the next 10 years. 100%. And I'm I'm really excited for this conversation today. Um, I feel like there's a lot we want to get into. Um, but let's just start with the NFL agency. As an NFL agent, um, you know, I think their day-to-day work, their lifestyle often gets glamorized, whether it be in Hollywood, um, you know, movies like Jerry Maguire, TV shows like Ballers. What walk us through you know, a Monday morning through Sunday night, like a a, a day, what is your day to day, but what is your, you know, typical week like as an NFL agent? It's really hard to to do that because every day is different. And just when you think you have it figured out, something else will will come up and, you know, you'll think you'll have, have a very chill day or something relaxing planned. And all of a sudden you get a phone call and that changes the entire landscape of your entire day. So really there's, there's no right or wrong answer to that. Like, for example, yesterday I went golfing, right? I, I had a chance to go unwind a little bit and meet with some people on the golf course and, and really do that. But other days I'm on the road. Um, th- there was a period of time, I think it was from the end, end of the NFL draft from the end of April all the way up through about a month ago where I was on a plane probably two to three times a week, just just in and out of cities, going to visit clients, going to visit recruits, um, those sorts of things. So really the day-to-day and week-to-week changes by, by the hour. And uh, it really depends on what you have going on in those different time periods of the year. I will say this, we're always recruiting um, because you're always trying to build and grow and, and find the right people to, to represent and right people to become a part of your organization. But um, from a day-to-day standpoint, it, it changes so frequently. You know, I think when you think of an NFL agent, you think of Jerry Maguire, like you said, show me the money. And that we're just sitting there negotiating contracts day in and day out. And a lot of that's true. But what most people don't understand is that's the bare minimum of what we do, right? Most of us are attorneys uh, or went to law school or, or have some sort of negotiation background. So from a, uh, from a contract negotiation standpoint, that should be the bare minimum of what an agent does. We do so many other things in between. I, you and I talked offline briefly before this. Like even right now, I'm, I'm planning a charity event for two weeks from now for another client in Miami, Florida. Um, little things like that that people don't really see behind the scenes that we actually do and, and assist with. So it, um, it it's a wide variety. I always tell people I'm not an, just an agent. I'm a, I'm a best friend. I'm a mentor. I'm a big brother. I'm a um, therapist. I'm a, I'm, I'm a specialist in trying to find you the specialist and, and those sorts of things. So when an injury occurs, you know, we have to help guide to that specialist and get that set up. Uh, when a player gets traded to a new city, we're helping find accommodations for them to, to stay in. Um, also shipping vehicles and, and all those sorts of things. So it's a lot that goes into to day-to-day aspect of it. 
Absolutely. I mean, you wear many hats and there's a lot of behind the scenes work that I think people don't always appreciate or recognize. So I appreciate you shedding some light on it right there. And then I guess before we rewind a little bit and hear a little bit more about your upbringing, when you said earlier that the NIL space, obviously one of the college sports is drastically changing, especially over the last few years. I mean, more recently with conference alignment, but before that, the start of this NIL era, how has, like, what's been the, the greatest chance for opportunity within this NIL era? Um, is it just like gaining more clients or there's is there more opportunity than just that? And then if you could just talk about one main cha- one major challenge and then one major reward since you know you got involved in the nil space yeah um i would say the greatest thing about it is athletes are finally able to make money um in this space where for so long they've been deprived of it and you look at the amount of money that college athletics bring to a university into a city and um to, to balance that off with no real monetary reward for the college athletes other than a quote unquote scholarship. And I say quote unquote, because, you know, they're one of the, you know, college athletes are one of the few individuals. And you look at a football player, I think the best example is um, the guy who turned into a video game streamer destroying where Mm. he ended up having to choose between his scholarship or making money through YouTube. And you can't do both, but if you're going to school strictly on an academic scholarship, you can do both. So, you know, for, for it being, um, for, for as much money as the athletes bring to, to campus and not just to the campus, but even the surrounding city, when you look at game days and there's a hundred thousand people flocking to, to Gainesville, Florida, and all the hotels are sold out, you know, everybody around wins except for the student athletes, right. Mm -hmm. And all they're left with is that scholarship. Um, I think that's the biggest advantage of NIL is now you're actually able to capitalize on some of these opportunities where in the past you, they were taken away from you. Um, uh, so I would say that's the biggest thing from an agent standpoint. It's a blessing because now not just from a recruiting standpoint, but also from a professional standpoint, we're able to have more detailed discussions with guys at younger ages. So we can help start to plant those seeds and those building blocks to what true success as a professional looks like, not just as a professional athlete, but as a professional, in the case of football, as a professional man or professional person. And so now when we're having these conversations, their their freshman year, their junior, sophomore year, their junior year, you know, we're really laying that foundation of, hey, here's what a deal looks like. Here's what a contract looks like. Many athletes haven't seen a real contract before then. And we can explain the the ramifications of the give and take too. You know, whenever you're giving value, this is what you get in return and, and vice versa. And also, I think everybody has the misconception that they're marketable just because they're a college athlete. And, you know, there's just like anything else in, in the NFL, just because you're on the field doesn't mean you're getting paid exactly the same as someone else. Um, you know, your performance is going to relate to that. And your marketability a lot of times relates to your performance in college too on the field because now the fan base knows of you a little bit more and what you're doing in a, from a media standpoint gets you more recognition. So just being able to break and be honest with each individual athlete that we work with about the landscape of the business and showing them and helping them prepare for life after football, even at an earlier age than we would if they were just coming strictly into the NFL. Absolutely. And I think 
I think all of that was was very insightful. And I think, you know, this point about preparing for life after football or preparing for opportunities off the field is is one of the ways that, in my opinion, in the last few years, um, you know, we've seen athletes as businessmen, as founders, entrepreneurs, investors, wh whether it be, um, and I had on, on the last episode, a gentleman, Amobi Okugo, and he was just talking about all the different ways that athletes can be, you know, they are the business, um, whether it's real estate, venture capital, like there is just a, so many ways, probably more than people would ever have imagined before. So in, in that sense, I wanted to ask you, common theme throughout my podcast are this idea that athletes are in today's world more than just an athlete. How do you as an agent help athletes reach their goals off the field and once they hang up the cleats, once their career is over? Big part of it starts with the relationship. Um, it's really hard to help someone when you don't know anything about them. And I think, you know, nowadays you have a lot of mass agencies where they're just signing and signing and signing. And when you have a hundred guys, it's, it's really difficult to learn as much as you can about them and their families and really what's important to them and then help propel, you know, what that is that, that's important to them to, to drive what comes next. Right. And so I would say that the relationship aspect of it and really knowing and having that relationship and that friendship and, in that um, true bond and, and openness, right? Those candid, open conversations gives you that foundation of, okay, here's what's important. Now that we have what's important to, to, the, to you personally, how can we pillar from there? And uh, for me, I was very blessed because I took a non-traditional route into becoming an agent where I always felt like I was called to serve. And, and that's what God called me to do on this planet is to serve others. And my, my way into being an agent was actually by volunteering at a charitable foundation for a retired athlete. And then my first job as a quote unquote agent was to help retired athletes. So I was working with guys on that back end before coming to guys that are now coming into the league. So seeing that from, from different levels, you know, those that are doing very well in retirement and then those that are struggling in retirement, um, it gives you a different perspective you know, mm. because you see what you can do with the tools and resources you have around you as long as you maximize them now. Um, as an agent, we can't force anyone to want to do something. But if they open up to us, you know, we can, if we have the relationships, which, you know, is part of our job is keeping and nurturing those relationships. We have those relationships with not just our clients, but others around the country. Uh, it enables us to now connect the dots for people to start branching off and doing different things in their business life. Absolutely. I mean, I think so, so much of what you said um, rings true, you know, relationship being at the core of helping these athletes, knowing them not being spread so thin when you have a hundred different athletes that are clients, not having the depth of that relationship with all of them. So I think, um, I think that's, that's very interesting. And, kind of you hinted at it and you also talked about, you know, learning about these athletes to learn about what's important to them. You know, you're very vocal um, about, you know, the role of faith in your life and the importance of family in your life. And, you know, I know you were particularly close with your father who, who passed away a few years ago. And, you know, I'm sure everything you've done for him, he, he's just insanely proud of you. But I, I wanted to just ask you, you know, do the values of family and faith, have they always been a big part of your life? Or is it something that 
over the years you've realized just has growing importance to you or, or working with others realize that it has growing importance to you? And also kind of how do these monumental values continue to positively, positively impact you today? Um, I always knew who Jesus was, right? I always knew of Jesus, but I never really had a relationship, if that makes sense. And I would say early in my life, because of that, I wasn't really faith driven. Like I, I always had my family and my family was very close, but I wasn't faith driven. But it's funny because when God has a plan for you, he's going to do everything in his power, which he can do. Right. And and that's to push us according to that plan. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I've always felt called to serve others, even before I was really walking in Christ and, and knew what that was, right? Really knew what a servant leader was and what servant leadership was. And um, because of that, I know you and I discussed this actually offline a little bit. I, I, I created a, um, a, 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 I guess you can kind of call it like a mini tour, right? Where we, an educational summit where we went around and educated middle school and high school students about the dangers of prescription drug abuse and which was leading to an ever-growing heroin epidemic in Western Pennsylvania. And we did that for about two years. And I really didn't know what prayer looked like. And so one day, and I haven't really shared this much other than in my book, but, you know, I just sat there and I just prayed the only way I knew. I just said, hey, God, like, what's next? Should I go to law school? Should I not? Like, What's next for me? Because so many people around me were attorneys by doing, you know, these summits. I was dealing with the district attorney, assistant district attorney, DEA, et cetera, um, for, for these educational tours. And I'll never forget, man, I woke up the next day and I'm driving home on this road I've driven on a million times. And I look to my right at a red light and there's a big red building that says Spina Law Firm on it. And I just started laughing because, you know, when God has it in his plan, he's going to give you that sign. And now it's up to us to follow. So I applied to, uh, for the LSAT and I started applying to law schools literally the next day. And um, from that point on, it propelled me into to this journey. And, you know, even when I went to law school and kudos to you now being in your third year and you're at the home stretch. But when I first started, I don't know about you. I still didn't even really know exactly what this journey was going to be like for me. I still like it was at that point during my first year where I really got tied in to the church um, and I started attending a church in, in Miami, Florida called Voo Church. And that's really where my faith journey built and started and, and that foundation grew. But um, yeah, it's uh, now it's 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 who I am. Right. It's I use that for, for every decision, every aspect of my life. It's a big part of who I am publicly. I'm, I'm always going to speak and give thanks to uh, the one that led me here. But even whenever I joined law school, I thought I was going to be a criminal defense attorney called to serve and help the people back at home get out of jail that I thought were wrongfully in prison. So it's a huge part of my life. It wasn't always there, but uh, I guess it was always there. I just didn't know it was always there. And uh, I'm forever grateful. 100%. And I appreciate you, you, you know, sharing on a personal level, your journey. And, and like you, you just mentioned near the end, sometimes it's not that we lack the knowledge or we lack, you know, the awareness or understanding. It's just, it's a matter of coming to your senses and, and realizing that it's always mm -hmm. been there. Um, and it's something that has helped you, even if you couldn't have like 
a word or, or you couldn't articulate a feeling or a name for it. So I appreciate the insight and kind of quickly just touching on your book, The Fight. You know, it focuses on your journey, um, your commitment to faith. Um, what inspired you to write the story? And for me, I know writing is very therapeutic. So the second, I guess, part of the question is, is it something that was, was therapeutic as, as you wrote and published the book? Yeah, actually, originally, that's the reason why I started writing. My book started in the notepad of my phone. And um, I was taking trips back and forth to Pittsburgh because I was in Miami at the time in law school. My father was battling cancer. So I was flying back and forth pretty frequently. At, at some points, it was almost weekly uh, just to be there for him with, with the different procedures he had. And um, because my father had colon cancer that spread to his liver, lungs, brain. And he ended up having multiple brain surgeries, multiple liver surgeries, multiple colon surgeries, et cetera, over uh, a little over two and a half year span. So during that time period, um, I just needed a, a way to let it out. And I didn't know if anyone else had ever really been through it. I think sometimes we're in these moments where like where the world around us seems to be crumbling down, especially whenever you're going through something like that. And we feel so alone and isolated that we're afraid to really pour that out to others around us because we don't think anybody else will understand. And uh, a lot of times, you know, without us saying anything, we can't really relate to anyone else. So for me, that's where it started. It started in my notebook when I was on an airplane, uh, when I was in the hospital room, et cetera. I would just lay there and just type out how I was feeling and what we were going through and what was going through my mind in those moments. And, and then one day I sat down and most people don't know this, but I was an English major in undergrad. And so one day I just started typing on my computer uh, everything that I had in my notes and just adding to it. And uh, I was talking to someone one day and they were like, hey, you know, you should really think about releasing this and publish it because it can help others. And for me, I didn't want it to come off as like, oh, here's me. Here's my life. You know, I'm writing a biography on myself. And um, if I was going to ever do something, I wanted it to be educational enough to the point where it could be relatable and really give my true emotions and vulnerabilities about how I was feeling during that time period and how much I did lean on Jesus to get me through it to now hopefully help others that are going through either something extremely similar or, or any hardship in life and, and they can relate it to that. So that was the whole thought process behind it and, and how it came to be. And I'm, I'm really blessed that, you know, I've had tons of people reach out to me on social media or call me or text me, et cetera that I didn't know they were going through stuff and or people I just didn't know, period. And now that we're able to relate on a more personal level um, through through the, the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it is also understanding when you get, you know, some of those people calling you, you know, texting you, reaching out is just like everyone is going through something. Um, and yeah. if people claim they're not, they, they will at some point and kind of how you deal with that, how you inspire others, how you serve others, um, how you live your life on a day-to-day -day basis, knowing that tomorrow isn't promised. I think, you know, those are all things that um, you probably understand and appreciate more than the average person based off your experiences and how you've been able to reflect and write about it. So kudos to you for, for you know, taking that leap of faith to not just keep it in your notepad and not just keep it to yourself, but speak out and 
you know, sometimes when I'm writing some of the content that I put out, whether it be on LinkedIn or whatever, it's like being vulnerable also just makes you human and we're all yeah. human and being able to connect doesn't matter geographical limitations or you might not look like the person that you're connecting with. Um, I think that, that that's really important. Um, moving on a little bit to this breaking into sports, you know, podcast and educational course in the same vein of helping others, right? I think that's kind of a common theme that we're seeing throughout throughout your life. Um, breaking into the sports industry can just be so incredibly hard. Getting your foot in the door. Once you're in, it's much easier to, it's a little bit like revolving door. People know people. So once you're in the sports industry, you're, you're, you're likely to be in it. But what inspired you to start the Breaking Into Sports brand? Um, and what are some of the major, you know, wins that you've seen from it and maybe any challenges that are obstacles that have also come along the way? So the inspiration behind it was exactly what you said, trying to help people and pull back the curtains a little bit of the industry. I think it's, you look at the agent landscape and it's very cutthroat. And I know a lot of agents have spoken publicly about that, where it's like, Hey, we don't have a whole lot of friends unless they're in our agent circle, working with our agency. And for me, I mean, I get competition. I'm a very competitive person. I've been fighting my whole life and, uh, you know, as a boxer and in martial arts. And so for me, like, I, I understand competition. I thrive in competition, but it doesn't mean take you out of the human element of it. And um, business is business at the end of the day, right? But business comes and goes. You know, human life is, is so precious. And whenever you can help someone and educate them, you know, there may be individuals that want to get into this industry for the wrong reasons and not realize what it really is. And now they just wasted five years of your life. And time is our most precious commodity, even more so than money. So if you can help somebody save that time or or value that time differently by by grouping it together or giving them some sort of accelerator, why not give back, man? Pay it forward a little bit. So that was a, a big reason for starting it. And, and also, again, I was very blessed because I didn't know this industry really existed when I started in sports. I, I essentially fell into it through serving and trying to volunteer and network and meet people. I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney, right? I, I didn't know this was here. and We didn't learn that growing up in high school and didn't know that there was all these different jobs. Like for me, where I grew up, we thought you had to be a doctor, lawyer, or an athlete. That was it. There's no other way to be successful. No one talked about entrepreneurship. No one talked about the different roles within sports of being coaches or um, uh, general managers or scouts or agents or any of this or trainers or any of these other uh, job titles. So for me, it was like, hey, we can take this now and the, from a podcast standpoint and bring on professionals from around the industry. And if you look at like the guests that I had on it, and again, we're in a pause mode right now, probably going to bring it back within the next year. But if you look at the guests that I had on it during its duration, like we had a good mix of both retired athletes, current athletes, but business professionals, people you never heard of before in the industries that work for big companies you may have heard of, but you never heard of the individuals and they can explain what it took to get to their roles now that are much more tangible because you can see it, and feel it. And if you're somebody at home, you may say, hey, I didn't even know you can work for a company like Pepsi and be tied into to sports, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, or a company like Lowe's Home Improvement and be tied into sports. And now you can see these avenues in, in all these different ways. 
And really the objective for me was find out what your why is in life. And once you figure out what that why is, you can tie that to sports any way possible if that is what you want to do, right? So if your why is spreading, spreading the word of the gospel, you can tie that to sports. If your why is, you know, you love to cook, you can tie that to sports. You, you could be a personal chef. You could be a private chef. You can, you know, cook for a team. You could do so many different things. So that was really the, the thought process from it. Um, one of the bi- bi- biggest success stories I saw from it was actually one of my students went on to law school and graduate, and uh, which was incredible. And now he's working um, partially in the sports industry, partially not just in the legal space. But um, it was really cool to see him, you know, discover his path. And another one went on to land a, a big internship with a very reputable training company, training facility uh, that does a lot of NFL combine work. And it, it's cool to see some of these different doors and avenues open. And actually, another one that became an agent that I uh, ran into at the Reese Senior Bowl this past year. So it was really cool to see somebody take that leap and pass their exam and now be at the, the biggest senior all-star game leading up to the draft. Absolutely. And I think that just goes to show, you know, compound results of giving back. You never know when you help someone out at one point in their life, how it's going to eventually, it could pay dividends down the road. Maybe it won't, but it's all about, in my eyes, just if you just have positive energy, whether or not you believe in karma, karma, I do believe in if you put out positive energy into the universe, it will make its way back to you at some point in time, in some form. Um, so I, I appreciate, you know, a little bit more background about the breaking into sports kind of, you know, background and, and, and I'm excited to see it resume again soon with whether it be another educational course or a podcast or any type of info session. Um, and we're, we're always happy to support. And then my, my last question, and we've kind of touched upon this a little bit, you know, you've, you've helped out the Jason Taylor and Dan Marino foundation, You've helped out the homeless in your local community. You talk about, you know, in, back in 2011, the Western Pennsylvania Prescription Drug Abuse Summit. You know, you're going around middle schools, high schools, talking about, you know, the dangers of hard drugs and what, and then, sorry, most recently, you know, working with an NFL player, you're doing a community event, a bowling event with over 100 kids. What inspires you to keep giving back? And what's the importance in your eyes of staying involved? within one's community and having a positive impact within the community? Serving leadership. I mean, point, point blank uh, period. It all starts and ends there for me. I mean, Jesus is the ultimate example of being a servant leader um, of this world. So if I'm going to emulate him in any sort of way, it starts and ends with that, right? Trying to be more like him and try to give back to others any way possible. Um, so I, I think it's something that's important, even if, you know, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you're never expecting anything in return from it. You're just expecting to try to help others, right? And that's that's what our mission is. That's what our goal is. Thankfully, I've been blessed with some athletes um, that are clients and, and very good friends that now, you know, that's their vision too. And, and so I get to take their vision of how they want to help and different aspects of their community and be able to go now help them achieve those goals, right? You know, Raheem Moster, running back for the Miami Dolphins last year, he took a whole U-Haul full of toys, a big U-Haul truck full of toys from Miami, Florida, back to his hometown in New Smyrna Beach 
and was able to bless a lot of kids with gifts for Christmas that otherwise may not have had them, especially after just experiencing a, a giant hurricane that came through. So just being able to help coordinate, you know, what their vision is and, and make it a reality has been a blessing for me. And, and uh, you know, like we discussed earlier, my route to become an agent was very unique. And it started actually with the Jason Taylor Foundation by volunteering with them. I got connected with their executive director, a guy named Seth Levitt. Seth and I still talk um, pretty frequently. I talked to him yesterday, actually, on the phone. And um, Seth led me to this course of being an agent. You know, I, he knew I was a law student. And it started out as me just being a, a volunteer that showed up at events. And next thing you know, I'm a volunteer that shows up every single day to the office in between classes. And that led for Seth to make an introduction to me to a guy named Ralph Stringer, who started Neostar Football which was my first agency job in the business, and it all spiraled from there. So uh, through Ralph, I met Marvin Demoff, and Marvin's one of the greatest agents to ever represent athletes in, in all of football and history. And so being able to follow in those footsteps and see it done the right way, it, it all stems back to the original foundation, which actually was, in this case, a foundation. I, I appreciate the, you know, you walking us through how – and a volunteer opportunity and how wanting to help others at the community nonprofit level allows you to meet people. And, you know, you meet people, you know, whether or not someone out here listening believes in, you know, faith or God or Jesus, whatever it is, like yeah, people come into your life for a reason. Um, and the timing happens when the timing happens for a reason. So I think at the bare minimum um, that, you know, you're living proof of that. So, Sammy, at this time, I just wanted to say we really appreciate your time, your insights. You know, you're hearing more about your background and journey and breaking into sports. I know is going to help people out there and continuing to to share that story and to to be, you know, a role model and to give back in the way you do is 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 admirable. So, I just want to say at this point, if there's anything else that we didn't get to, feel free to add it. The floor is yours and if you could let people know where to find you and follow along on the journey. Yeah, the only thing I want to add, honestly, is thank you, Brendan, because what you're doing right now is highlighting people and sharing stories. And, and, and similar to even my goal in breaking into sports, you're giving people insight to the behind the scenes and pulling back curtains a little bit and, and trying to showcase different avenues to achieve success in whatever industry it is. So kudos right back to you for what you're doing. And thank you again for, for having me on um, social media. I'm on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter. TikTok at Sammy J Spina, just my name. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sammy. Guys, make sure Sammy J Spina across socials, make sure to support BMG Sports and all that they're doing. Um, the book is called The Fight. I believe it's on Amazon. And definitely tune in and make sure to follow along with, with Sammy's journey. And we appreciate your time. Thank you, man.